you know that not all bobcats are named Bob? Welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small business owners who are rising from recession. And our guest this week is building her business, developing her business, is the architect of her future. This is Small Business Celebration. Join us as we learn from successful business owners and successful business leaders about who they are, from where their business has grown, what they have learned, and where their successful business is going. I'm your host, Michael I. Roberts, and we're gonna learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Jeannie Berlicini, the, one of the principal architects with Ordee's Melby Architects. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And for visioners who don't know who you are, who are you, and what is it that you do? Hi, my name is Jeannie Bertolaccini, and I'm one of the owners of Ordee's Melby Architects here in Bakersfield. One of the reasons we're chatting with Jeannie today is that, well, two main reasons. One is they do a tremendous, Ordee's Melby, that is, does a tremendous amount of building design and architecture for commercial buildings. And in the business world, that's kind of important. The other reason is, is Eagle Eye Visioneers may recall almost two years ago, Jeannie was a guest here on Small Business Celebration. And the reason we were talking to her then is she was going through a training program with Ordiz and Melby, of Ordiz Melby, to become one of the owners of the program. And you can go ahead and check out that, that episode and learn more about how they did that process. And Jeannie had just become an owner in her own right here or at Ordiz Melby, but now, <laughs> it, it's been quite a ride since then, hasn't yes, it? Yes, welcome to ownership. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing that I wanted to find out from you is that in the interviewing, intervening, excuse me, two years, what have you discovered and learned about owning a very prominent architectural firm here in Kern County? Well, it's keeping the doors open and then making decisions, mm. you know, that I didn't have to make just a few years ago and always wondering what what would they do or what would somebody else do so mm -hmm. really trying to keep our staff safe and making big decisions that really affect 25 people's lives especially when you're dealing with incomplete information oh yeah yeah <laughs> it was unprecedented so you can't go to something else and look at what happened last time you know you can't look at history and um, but it's been it, it's been it's been a road, you know. Right. It's, we've come a long way in the two years. Let's say that. California is opening up, and it's looking like the the rules are becoming flexible enough where there's a lot of openness that's able to happen within the businesses themselves. And so, so there's a lot of decisions that, as business owners, you have to make with your employees on who's staying for, who's staying and working at home, who's coming into the office, what are the protocols for company meetings and that sort of thing. And this is a scenario that a lot of business owners are trying to understand an effective plan. What's a, what's a good roadmap that you guys are using effectively to help decide what's best for the company while still taking in valid input from your employees? 
Yeah, so when the pandemic first hit, we, we didn't really take input. We just, boom, we shut down. Mm. We came and um, actually we had before that, you know, leading that two weeks before March hit, um, some people were expressing they wanted to be home and we were making that happen. So when the day came that the governor said everybody had to go home, we came in, we set up everybody's machines to have remote work and we texted everybody at like nine o'clock at night and said don't come in and so it started off that everybody's just going home and we need to stay safe and then as um, time went there were a few people that decided they really needed to be in the office to do their work so for about the last 15 months we've had about seven people in our office every day that by choice were mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. um, it just made it easier for the company to keep operating and, and they weren't, it was harder for them to set up at home. Well, so, and probably they just wanted to get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's been good. We have had, you know, there haven't been any, um, any, uh, and no one's come down with COVID mm. that, out of the seven that have been here. So that part's been really nice that we haven't had any, um, anybody get sick. But so now we've been trying to, to get back and try to get back to business the way it used to be, but um, clearly everybody's proven that we can work remote because we did it for so long. Nobody expected it to go on this long. So now it's like, okay, where where do we where do we want to land? What do mm. we want to be? What kind of firm do we want to be? So we did put out a survey to staff and we asked all types of questions about their work environment at home and whether they have the tools they need to do their job and are there any distractions. It was kind of really checking out both ways, whether um, you wanted to be in the office or back at home. We gave different options for the type of schedule we should have when we come back and um, also gave a place there to provide comments for just random what they felt. And um, we ended up being about uh, about 60% wanted to come back. There were some that were like, yeah, we'll do whatever. And then there was a small percentage that, would, that really didn't want to come back. And so how do we... How do we make that happen? We have, um, our staff is from, I think, 22 years old all the way up to 80. Wow. And so with, with everybody in a different place in right. terms of this pandemic, and how do you make everybody happy? And, and that's not an easy thing to do. And so leadership has had a lot of meetings. We go to lunch every day. We haven't had a retreat actually two weeks ago because they're like, we need more time. So we came <laughs> in on a Saturday and really spent the time talking about, you know, how do we handle this? And um, to be honest, we decided we wanted to get back to everybody in the office mm. five days a week. And so we built this transition period from June to August, which is what we're in now. We're just having one studio a week. So out of a three week period, um, staff's only required to be here five days, depending right. on which studio they're in. So that's what we're doing now. Um, but once we made that announcement about everybody coming back, that didn't go over so well <laughs> with everybody. Had to smooth a few feathers, <laughs> as, as it were. Yeah. And so, and, and that's okay. I mean, we were we were prepared prepared for that. You know, um, we want to keep everybody happy. It's just how do we do that? And um, the way we sort of figured it, that the staff doesn't know what leadership knows. Right. You know, that that's a given. They don't see the numbers. They're not doing the billing. You know, that kind of thing. And so they only know what what they're doing and they're right. working from home successfully but so um, we're planning a state of the office and we're going to talk about all of that we're going to we're going to be a little more transparent and allow them to see what does it cost us to be 
remote. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't know what the software costs to allow right. us to do that, how it's affecting the timeline of the projects and our fees on those projects. And we are going to talk about that. But I think we're going to probably land in the middle and give um, a couple of remote optional days mm. you know that they if it, it doesn't mean you have to be remote on those days but if you would like to be you can and so I, I think that's gonna satisfy everybody so it's it's been a road <laughs> <laughs> well and it's a process yeah just like a lot of other things and if there's one thing that architects get really good at it's process <laughs> well we're problem solvers you right. know that's what we do I mean a client comes to us with a problem and we're supposed to fix that and and that's what we're trying to do here with staff you you know, we, we, the clients need to be happy because then we can't afford to pay staff, right. but we need our staff to be happy because then our clients aren't happy. So it's um, a little bit of all of that. Find the right balance, <laughs> as it were. But one of the things that's challenging Ortiz Melby, in fact, it's challenging, as I understand, just about every architect in the world, is we're in a white-hot economy right now yeah. as far as architects go. What is one of the big issues that a lot of business owners that come to you that want to either renovate their existing facility or they want to build a new facility or they want to consolidate excuse me, a facility, they've got all these different options. What's, some, what's one of the big pitfalls that you are trying to make sure that business owners understand uh, with, with the architectural world as it now stands? Yeah, everybody's pretty busy right now. We're busy. I have um, groups that I get together with that are architects in LA and San Francisco and East Coast, and they're all busy. Mm. Um, and therefore, we're all trying to staff up. And um, there's only so it's really hard to find architects. Mm. I mean, to find what we do, especially here in Kern County, because we don't have a university that um, that pumps out architects. We just hired somebody two weeks ago, a graduate from Berkeley. Mm. So we were really happy to get him. Um, but yeah, so it's a hard thing to to grow your staff without taking from somebody else's staff. So it's an interesting little thing in our world. But um, we are. Uh, trying to explain to our clients that we need a little bit of time because mm. you know I can rush my people to get a project done but we also hire consultants me mechanical electrical structural engineers landscape engine um, civil engineers landscape architects we um, and so we have to work with their schedules too so it's a whole team that comes together to provide a project and right now with everybody being busy um, they just have to give us a little bit of time. But I want to break ground tomorrow. I mean, yeah. I've already got the bank loan. Let's, yeah. let's break ground tomorrow. What's the problem, you guys? That's what I tell our clients. You know, I, we understand that by the time they come to an architect, they're ready to build. And sometimes we're looked at as the necessary evil because they're ready to build and they go to the city and the city says, oh, no, 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 you need plans. You need to hire an architect. It's like, oh, and then they realize that we have a process too that needs to be built into their construction schedule. And, you know, it works out, but yeah, they're usually ready to go by the time they call an architect and, and we just have to slow it down because we don't want to skip any steps. There's a reason why we have a process and they get what they want in the end and everybody's happy and that's how we want our projects to complete. You don't want to have the million dollar mistake? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and if visioners want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Well, they can find us on our website at ordizmelby.com. 
Um, got lots of our current projects out on that website. And I'm on Facebook, um, Jeannie Carrasco Bertolaccini, and then Ordi's Melby also has a Facebook page and an Instagram page, and we have LinkedIn. We do a lot with LinkedIn. I find lots of my clients there on LinkedIn, so yeah. That's where you find it. And if you enjoy Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify, and leave a comment. We love the comments that you give us here on Small Business Celebration. In fact, the reason we're here with Jeannie is because of one of those comments. So, and when we come back, we're gonna get more into the details, the background that Jeannie has, as, some, as well as some well-sought advice for many of our lady viewers who wanna know a very specific answer to a very specific question. My name is Josh Domingo and I'm a Toastmaster from Ventura, California. Toastmasters has helped me build my career and relate to small business owners in a myriad of ways. Too many ways to list in 30 seconds. But the most impactful way that Toastmasters has helped me is to come up with believable answers to really bad questions on the fly. This is not just in my presentations at work, but it's also at city council meetings and at my local chamber. I invite you to join us at Toastmasters and I look forward to seeing you there. Toastmasters, the fun and relaxed group of leaders who will help you get ahead. Go to Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button and set your business ahead of COVID and ahead of your competition. Go to Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button. That's Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button today. We're here with Jeannie Bertolicina, Principal Architect here at Ordi's Melby Architects. And normally, this is where I bring up a visionary question, but uh, I made the mistake of asking about that question back in the last segment. So that just goes to show you we're not exactly perfect <laughs> all the time. So in lieu of that, one of the things I normally do in the first segment is talk with a guest about their origin story. And this is one of the things I really enjoy about Jeannie. And tell us, Jeannie, from where did you, where were, what part of town here in Bakersfield were you born and raised? I was born and raised in East Bakersfield. Went to Washington and East Bakersfield High School. For those that aren't familiar with Bakersfield, that is not exactly Ritzville or <laughs> the, uh, the high rent district here in town. And you mentioned that you had a passion and an interest in architecture from the very beginning. And yet you were the only girl in the class. Yeah, I, you know, I thank God for that kind of because it prepared me for the real world, you know, because that's how, how so? jobs are. You know, there, our office has quite a few women, but typically, mm -hmm. you know, that wasn't the case throughout my early career. But um, I think luckily, too, I had a very strong mom, and so I, being the only female didn't scare me. Mm -hmm. My mom was a single mom raising four kids, and she wow. showed us strength. So, um yeah, I, I starting junior high and high school, you know, I was the only girl and I, it, it didn't bother me. I think I'm lucky. I, I have a brother and I hung out with my brother all the time. And so being one of, um, you know, only the, girl, the only girl in the class didn't really bother me. So when I went away to school in Phoenix, 
I think there were five girls in the entire school. And wow. so all my buddies were were boys or right. men, you know, right. young men. And so every time we had, you know, get togethers and stuff, it was the majority were men and then there were us few girls there. And so I think I just kind of learned to be one of the boys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know, and they, they'd say things that, you know, that boys say and I sort of just let it go, you know. I mean, I, obviously I spoke up if it bothered me, but I learned to kind of not um, put too much pressure on them with me being around and it, I think that allowed me to fit in but it definitely prepared me for my the workforce because mm. everywhere that I went after that it was actually my early jobs were a lot of older men engineers and mm. I was this young 21 year old girl. And what does this woman <laughs> know about anything? Yeah. I've been doing this for 30 years. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, but um, there was one older guy that every time I would talk he would talk over me and I thought it was I guess he just doesn't want to know what a young girl has to say because I was female or something. But eventually, I think I figured out it was just his way. It didn't, you know, I could have been an, a young boy or young man, and he would have done the same thing. But it um, wasn't personal; it just happened to be yeah, who he was. Yeah, I think so. And I, I, like I said, I've been really lucky in all my other jobs. I never had a boss that was inappropriate. I used to think, I, I don't even know that they know that I'm female, you know, like, <laughs> and that's a good thing. You know, I was treated the same as, as everybody else. And you sort of realize that you just need to um, show that you know what you're talking about and then you'll earn their respect and, and then nobody questions you, you know. When the proof is in the pudding, <laughs> People know how it tastes. Yeah. Exactly. This is, however, something that you're still facing to a certain degree today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You were telling me a story just off camera a little bit ago about one of these meetings that you had not long ago. And take us through that experience. Yeah, the majority of the time, because we do we um, do construction administration work, which means we're in the construction trailer while the project's um, under construction. We go to weekly meetings there, and it's the contractor, the owners, and for the most part, the owners are still men, that mm. the people that they put in charge of their facility are still men, and then the contractors are always men. Sometimes there's a female in the room. Um, so yeah, it's still that case, but I, I don't think even, like, it, it doesn't bother me. And if, for a long time, I didn't even acknowledge it. Like, I, I never would look around and go, oh, I'm the only female. It's not until kind of this talk about women entering uh, men, you know, dominated fields that I did start noticing. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me, you know? <laughs> sure, sure. And so I do pay attention now, but I, I pay attention in a way that I'm I'm really proud. You know, when, when I look around and there's all these men who have been doing it a long time and know what they're talking about, and then there I am, you know, that you know you always sort of have a little bit of an imposter syndrome but yeah I feel really proud that I'm um, in a room with with all the men and and treated no differently other than if I when I do something dumb that's no fun one day I was walking out of the construction trailer in my heels and I tripped I think I thought I was on the last step and I still had another step to go and uh, Danny was there with me and a couple other contractor guys with me walking out at the same time and I probably wouldn't have been as embarrassed it was if if it were all females, but it was all men, and well, thank God they helped helped me get up. But so you know, you can't be afraid of that, though. You know, that's okay. That's okay. That you know that they all. That's when you become a female. They're like, oh no, let me help you get, get up. Um, so yeah, that, that's a little embarrassing, but that's okay. That's what life is. Sure. <laughs> One of the other things, though, that 
I really enjoy about your story is because it's not over yet. No. And it's one of the things that you alluded to in the last segment is that you've been the leader now for three years. And this is a process, is it Yeah, not? yeah. Um, you know, you can wear the hat, but it, you know, the leadership hat, but it doesn't mean you have all the answers and mm. that doesn't mean that you're a good leader and it doesn't mean that you know how to lead. Mm. You know, I worked really hard to get here, um, but I have no experience, you know, prior to this I had no experience in, you know, staffing and... and um, so how did you, what are you doing to improve yourself, improve your leadership skills? What are you doing to become the leader that fits the hat? Every morning, I, I I subscribe to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> sure. And but a lot of them are related either to architecture or leadership, and mm -hmm. um, always looking for advice on how to better lead. Reading articles, you know, I get emails, and I'll always hit the link to go find an article that'll give some tidbit advice. A lot of it's been remote work, but that's when your leadership skills really become sure. um, you know highlighted. But yeah, so I I I think at one point I called myself a sponge I'm just trying to take everything I can to learn how to do this thing and I you know I want to do it well I, I've got a lot of people counting on us I've got to learn how to bring work in um, keep my staff motivated and then keep them um, growing you know we had a, a lunch with one of our staff the other day and I mentioned you know it's our job to grow you into a good architect someday because the guys that we have now, the more experienced guys that are architects, they're going to be retiring. Right. And if I don't grow these younger staff and make good architects out of them, we're going to really be hurting. And so um, hopefully they all see that everything that we, all three of us leaders do, it's it's to help that process, you know, keep, keep the work coming, give them good projects that they can learn from, you know, and I think we're doing that. We've got a lot of nice big projects out there right now, and um, but keeping the staff excited and motivated and willing to learn. And How are you doing that? Um, it's really hard during this remote time, you right. know, making sure. We, ha we have um, every non-licensed person has a mentor in the office, and mm -hmm. so they work under a licensed architect, and then um, really trying to encourage screen sharing and reviewing plans like that, even though we're all remote. But we have a plan set up for when we come back to start doing regular education. You know, sometimes it's hard to learn something unless you work on that thing, but not everybody's working on the same thing. Right. So um, we want to give them that knowledge even before they need it. So we're going to try to do, we call it chips and tips. We have <laughs> okay. chips right. and um, they learn either about software or we're going to start bringing in some of that architecture, not, not design, um, but details. And um, what does it mean when you, you know, put a ceiling on the, or a, yeah, it could be a ceiling, you know, what it, what are the different ways a ceiling should look, or sure. putting a light fixture on that ceiling, what type, you know, so trying to go through all those steps with them. These development steps that you're talking about are all a process that you went through in becoming an architect, and for you, you became a licensed architect kind of later in life. Yeah. You, you didn't do it at 21. No. <laughs> <laughs> and guide us through that process for you. 
Yeah, it's um, it's a lot of uh, determination. You mm -hmm. know, you have to really want it. And we have a lot of young people in our office who are at that point where they could start taking those tests to work towards licensure um, and are putting it off, and I completely understand that. <laughs> you did it yourself? Yeah, nobody right? wants to really spend their evening studying. Um, but in the architecture world, there's six exams that you have to take, and once you pass all of those exams, then there's one more in California. It's called the California Supplemental Exam, and you take that test, and then you are a licensed architect. But um, you know, not everybody passes on the first time, so it's it really is a process, and it's probably about a five-year process for the average person that's you know kind of sticking with it. Did you do it in five? I did not do it in five. <laughs> I did it. I, I think I say 13, 13, 14 years is from beginning to end when I did it um, but you know I, I would take time off because I was a mom of three mm. and that's kind of a big thing right now like on Facebook there's groups mothers in architecture you know the mothers kind of start banning together because that's a struggle trying to find time to study when you're you know making breakfast and dinner and um, so yeah just coming up with a schedule that works for you and even dads you know dads right. have the same thing as well but or people without kids they have other things they'd rather be doing so right. you really have to kind of get your mindset and say okay I'm gonna do it and go for it and you know for me there was a period where I lost exams because there's a five-year rolling clock and if you don't have them all passed then you lose and you start kind of all over mm. and um, I when that happened to me five of the exams that I had passed all disappeared off my record Oh no! and I um, you know after I cried and wiped away the tears I thought Maybe I don't need a license because a lot of people uh, work in an architectural firm and they're doing drawings and running projects without a license and I knew I could do that but I told myself or remembered back to that little sixth grade girl that said I want to be an architect and I don't want to disappoint her, mm -hmm. you know, and um, so I realized that there's no deadline to your dream, you know, and um, you can you know, you can be 49, you can be 35, you can be 21, you know, not too many 21-year-olds get their license, but um, yeah, so there's there's no deadline to it, and that's when I realized, what am I thinking? Why would I give up? That doesn't make any sense, and so I stuck with it, and about a year and a half later, I was done, and called myself a licensed, and I, or licensed architect, but um, also all the leadership transition stuff that was going on here, I realized, I can be even more than I thought I could be in this firm because I have that opportunity, but I don't have that opportunity without a license. I mean, I had to be a licensed architect to do this, and so, yeah, it was a road, but I, I did it, and um, don't give up. That's what I try to tell young people, is, and, and especially girls, because you know, we get married and, and have kids, and I tell them, do it before you do all of that. But um, it, it is a little bit harder for women um, when they're getting married and having kids and trying to run a house. And so um, it's okay, take your time, and, but don't give up. <laughs> and we'll be right back. Jeannie, you have used Small Business Celebration, the, in your case, the podcast, very effectively to promote Ortiz Melby. What'd you do and how'd, how'd it work out for you? 
Yeah, so Mike Russo he teaches small business entrepreneurship class at CTEC and asked me to come speak to his class of all girls. There were 12 girls in his class. He wanted a female business owner, so I sent him the link to the podcast ahead of time, and he had his girls listen to it. That gave them some background about not only Ordiz Melby, but about Jeannie Bertolaccini. And um, it, it made for a great presentation because then they already had a background on me. So thank you for that, Michael Roberts. Use Small Business Celebration to help market and promote your business and reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. We're here with Jeannie Bertolaccini, Principal Architect here at Ordee's Melby Architects. And our visionary question of the segment comes from Sahar, who asks, how do you defy social expectations, especially in social and networking events, situations that are predominantly male? That's a tough one. <laughs> okay. But I do find myself in that situation often. Mm. Um, you know, I, I went to an event one time and I knew nobody. I went alone. A lot of times we go in groups, but I went alone and didn't know anybody. Walked in and I went, wow. And, and everybody was in little clusters chatting. I'm like, I don't know anybody here. <laughs> sure, and sure. I looked around and there were three men talking. So it's kind of funny. I didn't think of it until now that instead of finding a group of women, I, I approached men and I just went up to them and introduced myself. Turned out they worked for Kern High School District and we're doing all <laughs> kinds of work together. And so it was like, I was like, oh, well, that was easy. I sure. got really lucky. But um, so, yeah, I mean, just don't be, don't be afraid to just go up to somebody and introduce yourself, man or woman. It doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, that, that, that happens often in my world. Mm. Yeah. What is something that has happened to you along the way that pointed out, mm, yeah, I, I, I shouldn't do that again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was another event. <laughs> so I attend these conferences for our software, and they're predominantly men. There's still lots of women now. It's getting a whole lot better out there in my world. but. Um, I would say it's probably 70% men, and, mm. and one of the evening events was a dinner cruise. So I, you know, I'm a heels and a dress kind of gal, and so I packed my dress and my heels for this dinner cruise and got on the boat, and pretty much everybody else wore exactly what they wore to the conference during that day, oh, and no. I was kind of the only one in this um, <laughs> dinner cocktail. For the occasion, <laughs> yeah. As yeah, and um, it was awkward. Once you're on the boat, you can't run back to the sure. room and, and go change. But, you know, I, I, I got lots of compliments. So I, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to make the best of it. You know, I, I forced myself to think, they're just all underdressed. I'm the only <laughs> one. I, I'm dressed appropriately. But. So, you know, and also because it was, a, you know, a little black dress, you know, I, I, I was fearful that the other women would think, you know, that I was dressing just to um, try to impress the men. And that wasn't it at all. You know, it, it, the dress wasn't revealing or anything. But you do learn as you go, you know. I mean, I definitely um, was not trying to impress the men. And um, actually, the ladies that I spoke with were all just fine about it and giving me compliments and said I looked great. And so, um, yeah, you live and learn. And and I don't know what I would have done differently, you know what I mean? I probably still would have dressed somehow sure. different for the evening event. But uh, yeah, there's when you're a female and you're going to be around a lot of men, you're always trying to second guess that. And I don't think men have to think about that. I don't right. think they ever think, what are the ladies going to think, <laughs> you know? And so, um, but that's one of the downfalls that we women have to think about before we 
uh, not just getting dressed, but it, it, it's anything. It's how you do your hair and your makeup. And, you know, hoops used to be a, a bad thing. They used to say that, you know, in the professional world, women shouldn't wear hoops. Well, I'm wearing my hoops. <laughs> <laughs> but this is all part of your own personal growth. And you're yeah. learning from the mistakes and the errors. And you're very cognizant of doing this. Is this an ongoing process of personal development for you? Yeah, you're always trying to um, to grow, mm. you know, and 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 learn and and learn off other people, but learn from your mistakes, obviously. But um, yeah, I think that's something that that is inevitable. You know, I'm I'm more mature today than um, than I was when I first entered this field, and um, I think about that young little girl that was working with all these old men and like I said lucky for me I had a good group of people that I always worked with I didn't have um, any big issues to be concerned about but yeah you just need to learn from it don't let don't let things shy you away mm -hmm. don't say I'm not gonna go because it's gonna be all men you never know who's in that room that can you know give you that job that you're looking for or that project or um, you you want to meet as many people as you can meet regardless of sex or age or <laughs> sure sure anybody can be a customer <laughs> yep anybody can yeah. what does the future of Ordeez Melby look like I'm excited for our future. Oh, yeah. I think we're in a really good sp position. We've got lots of opportunity for new projects. It's busy out there for everybody, so we're not all fighting for the same thing. Um, as long as we can find staff, I'd love to grow the staff and double it over the next five years. Uh, the goal is to make Bill and Danny proud and, mm. and see what, you know, I want them to see the firm grow into maybe what they envisioned it, you know, when, when they were both the owners. Um, and keep the staff that we have. We love the staff that we have. We don't want to lose anybody. Everybody's doing a good job and, and wanting to grow with us. Um, what makes you wake up every morning and open your business? Call me a weirdo or something, but I get excited about coming to work each day or what, what the day holds. And sometimes I even start the night before. That's how excited I am. Okay, <laughs> sure. But no, I mean, our days are different every day. You know, I, I think I'm going to come and put a proposal together on this project. And then I walk in the door, I open my email, and there's something else that I need to do. So I, I don't always know what my day is unless I've got a lot of meetings lined up. But um really excited about what we do here and and you know watching our projects come together every day construction moves forward the design moves forward on a job so every day we're getting closer and closer to somebody's dream mm -hmm. you know so we we're, we're all excited to do our jobs each day I think sure sure <laughs> what advice do you have for the business owner that's struggling right now oh there's always something you know um, there's, there's always dark clouds in, in our world. Either something got left off the drawings or the contractor did it differently. or um, And so it's finding a solution. Like I said before, we're, we're problem solvers. And so it's like that Rubik's Cube, right? You know, you know that there's an answer. Right. <laughs> you just have to find it. And sure. so when I get the call from the owner, something's not quite right we just have to move forward and try to fix it so yeah that the, that's the fun part right it's 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 not fun if you're not um, making someone's day and coming up with a good answer Jeannie 
This has been a privilege. Thank you very much for joining us here on Small Business Celebration. Thank you so much for coming to see me again. <laughs> How can visionaries get in touch with you? Ordysmobyarchitects.com, that's our website, and you will find me on there, my email address. It's actually, it's jbertlachini at ordysmobi.com, and our LinkedIn site is very active, um, ordysmobi there as well, and then Facebook, and every now and then Instagram. <laughs> Sounds good. And I'll be right back with my final thought. My name is Josh Domingo, and I'm a Toastmaster from Ventura, California. Toastmasters has helped me build my career and relate to small business owners in a myriad of ways. Too many ways to list in 30 seconds. But the most impactful way that Toastmasters has helped me is to come up with believable answers to really bad questions on the fly. This is not just in my presentations at work, but it's also at city council meetings and at my local chamber. I invite you to join us at Toastmasters and I look forward to seeing you there. Toastmasters, the fun and relaxed group of leaders who will help you get ahead. Go to Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button and set your business ahead of COVID and ahead of your competition. Go to Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button. That's Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button today. One of my favorite stories from ancient Greece is the story of Pygmalion. You see, Pygmalion was the best sculptor the world had ever seen. His creations out of marble looked truly lifelike, and the beauty he could carve out of marble was extraordinary. The problem was, was Pygmalion was lonely. He could never find the woman of his dreams. Well, the god Zeus felt pity for Pygmalion, and he asked Pygmalion to carve out of marble the perfect woman. Pygmalion did. And the statue was stunning and gorgeous, and Zeus brought that statue to life. A companion, the perfect companion for Pygmalion. At first, Pygmalion was overjoyed. He had the woman of his dream. She was perfect in beauty and thought and deed. And there was nothing that she could do that wasn't perfect. After a while, Pygmalion got bored with this creation because she was perfect in thought, word, deed, and her beauty was absolute perfection. And it began to grate on Pygmalion. And over time, Pygmalion went insane. All because his companion was absolutely perfect in every way. She did not have a single flaw to make her interesting. I have spoken to many business owners, and I've heard them lament and wish they could have the perfect business or the perfect customer. 
If you've ever had a day where you've had an angry customer or you've had a process or product that didn't turn out so well or an employee that didn't interpret, interpret your mind reading exactly the way that you wanted, well, congratulations! You do have the perfect business. You have the perfect customer. Because if you had the perfect business and the perfect customer like Pygmalion did, there would be no flaws, there would be no challenges, and it would not be interesting. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week with here at Ordi's Melby and Jeannie Bertolaccini. And I hope you learned something from our conversation that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. And we'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.